Well, good morning, everybody. So glad you're here today. My name is Scott. I'm the lead pastor here at The Bridge. And I'm glad you're here for our kickoff of a brand new series today called Resonate. And before we get to that, I want to let you know about a couple of opportunities that are coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. Two weeks from today, on June the 16th, most of our nation will call that Father's Day. But here at The Bridge, we're calling it Man Day. And uh, it's going to be, we're planning all kinds of uh, cool things specifically geared toward men, not just dads, but all men, um, though we will address dads as well. We're gearing it toward all men. And it's a great opportunity for you to invite your friends, uh, your co-workers, your neighbor, your golf buddy, uh, the guy at the gym, you know, your sports teams, your kids' sports teams. It's a great opportunity to invite them. And I promise, I promise, if you invite your friend and get him here, he will thank you for the invitation because he's going to have a great time here on that Sunday. So just make the ask and be here for Man Day two weeks from today. It's going to be awesome. And then uh, occasionally I'm asked, you know, Scott, we've been coming to the bridge for a little while. Um, how do we get more plugged in? What's our next step? And I love that question. Uh, we have an opportunity. It's usually the second Sunday of every month, which will be next week. And it's called Next Step. It's our volunteer. It's a behind-the-scenes tour of all the ministry opportunities we have here at the bridge. And so it gives you the opportunity to get a first-hand look at all the ways you can get plugged in and start making a difference in people's lives through the bridge. And so all you would have to do is just RSVP, uh, the handout you received when you came in. There's a communication card. If you fill that out and tear it off, check on there, the RSVP for Next Step. And then you can drop it in the red boxes when you leave today. Uh, it'll be at 9 o'clock next Sunday morning. Again, it'll be a behind-the-scenes tour of all the ministry opportunities we have. So make sure, if you're trying to get plugged in here at the bridge, that's the best way. Make sure you RSVP today. As I said, we're uh, starting a brand new series called Resonate. And it's about worship. We're dealing with the subject of worship. Now, I realize when I say that we're going to be dealing for two weeks with the subject of worship, that may hit different people in different ways. Some of you may be sitting here going, yes, I love worship. I'm so glad you guys are dealing with it. Others of you may be sitting here thinking, I don't even know how to sing. So dealing with worship is not something I'm looking forward to. Others of you may be thinking, what is worship? I don't even know what that is. And so I realized that in our room, we probably have the entire spectrum covered about this subject of worship. But I really do believe this is going to be an enlightening uh, couple of weeks. And when I think about a personal walk with Jesus Christ or a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I don't know of anything that has more potential to change your life than worship. And so I'm really excited that we're dealing with this for the next couple of weeks. And as we get started, I want to make a statement right up top, and we're going to kind of deal with this over these two weeks. But here's the statement I want you to understand. We are all worshipers. Every one of us. You, me, it's part of who we are. We all worship. It's part of our DNA. Now, you might be thinking, if I were to ask you to define what worship is, you might say something like it's singing or exalting God. And here's the truth. Worship is not just singing. It can include singing, but there are times that our singing may not even be worship. There are times that we may be in here singing some of the songs like we were just singing a moment ago, but our minds may be somewhere else completely. 
We're singing the words, but our minds are on the items on our to-do list. Or our minds are, you know, like, why'd they wear that outfit today? Or is she coloring her hair now? I mean, we're thinking about all kinds of things. How am I going to afford to send my kids to, to college? Or if we get time, done in time, I might be able to squeeze 18 in a day. So we're always singing, but we're thinking of other things. May not necessarily be worship. Worship may not necessarily be exalting God. You see, the truth is you and I are not created to just exalt God. God has angels to do that. In fact, the scripture talks about that angels were exalting God before creation. They're exalting him presently. And according to the book of Revelation, they will be exalting him for all eternity. So he doesn't need us to exalt him. It could include that, but not completely. You say, well, what is worship then? If it's not all of those things, what is it? And I'm going to give you a definition. And I think hopefully... Most of us will be able to remember this definition because it's only two words. And here's the definition. Worship is love expressed. Love expressed. Our expression of love, be it in words or in action, our lifestyle. When we love something or someone and we're willing to express that in various ways, that in its basic form is worship. And it has to include those things. If any of those things are not included, then it's not worship. So if you love, but you never express that love, then it's not worship. Or if you express something that's not based in love, then it's not worship. At its basic form, worship is love expressed. So in light of worship being loved expressed, let me ask you this question. And this is something you can just answer internally. You don't have to raise your hand. But this is something you can answer for yourself. Here's the question. How many of you are great worshipers? How many of you are like just great, phenomenal worshipers? Now, if I were to give you a scale of one to 10, one to three or four is like remedial worship. Okay, you need to go back to school for worship, all right? You don't really know what it's all about, okay? Say four to seven is like average, I'm okay, I'm not the greatest, but I'm not the worst, I'm kind of in the middle somewhere. Eight to ten would be like, you're, I mean, you're up there at the top, you're a great worshiper, phenomenal worshiper. Now, if I were to ask you that, where would you rank yourself? Where would you rank your friends? Where would you rank your coworkers? Where would you rank your neighbors, your family members? Now, see, for most of you, I guarantee you, as I talk through that, most of you probably put yourself in the average category. You're like, oh, I don't know that I'm great, but I'm not remedial. So I'm probably in the average category. I'm going to give you the answer for every one of you, including the people that are not here, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, family members. I'm going to give you the answer, and you're probably going to think I've lost my mind. But here's the answer. All of you are great worshipers. You're off the chart. You're 10 plus. You're phenomenal worshipers. Now, the reason you feel confused right now is because we're in a church setting and you automatically think that I'm talking about worshiping God. But I didn't ask you how many of you are great at worshiping God. I asked you how many of you are great worshipers. And the fact is, all of us are great worshipers. All of us love something or someone to the point that we are willing to express that with words, actions, lifestyle. There's something or someone in our life that we feel like we can't do life without. We absolutely want to be a part of our life. Got to have it. 
In its basic form, it's a form of worship. Maybe it's a hobby. Something that you love, you spend a lot of time. You, you, you know, you go get all kind of resources about it. You just love it. You love telling people about it. Maybe it's a habit. The amount of time and energy you spend trying to find the next hit, next drink, next website, whatever it is, and the, and the excitement, the racing of the heart that you feel when that moment is getting closer. Maybe it's a, a, a car or a home or some possession, an iPhone. You're like, wait, that's getting too close to home. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's a possession of some sort and all you're thinking about is how much you love that or how you can't wait till the next version comes out or you're looking at this or that and it's this possession that you love or maybe it's your portfolio and you're waking up in the morning, first thing you look at is the numbers, you go into bed at night, last thing you look at are the numbers, you're just constantly keeping track, constantly looking at it. Could be your career. What's the next move? How do I get the next promotion? How do I move on up the ladder? Maybe it's a relationship or a person. Maybe it's something else that I didn't even list. Something that you can't live without, something that you obsess over, something that your spouse and your kids feel cheated over, something that is a part of your life and your expression of love is there. It could be a thing, it could be someone, but it's something that you cannot live without. See, we're all great worshipers. The question is, who or what do we worship? Not a matter of whether or not we're great worshipers. We are. The question is, who or what do we worship? Who fills that spot? What fills that spot in our life? Where we express love in our words, our actions, our lifestyle. Who or what do we worship? See, it's part of our DNA. We can't help but worship. It's part of who you are. It's part of who I am. And, there, and the scripture kind of builds a case for this in the very first book of the scripture, in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, here's what it says. It says that God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So God is in the creation process. He's created the earth and the sky and the heavens and all the things are, that are on the earth, the animals, the you know, the fish in the sea, the birds in the air. He's created all of these things. And then he comes to the point where he creates human life. And he says that he created humanity in the image of God. It's the only part of creation that was created in the image of God. That means that you and I have the thumbprint of God on our life. And there's various things that that means. But part of that is that we were created with this drive to want to know our creator and to be known by our creator. It's a drive that we try to fill with other things, but there's something in us that wants to be known and wants to know our creator. It means we're also created with the capacity to receive God's love and to reciprocate that, to show love back to God. We're the only part of creation that was created with that capacity, not only the capacity to, to give and receive love from God, but the need for it. We have this drive within us. There is this need to express that kind of love back to ultimately our heavenly father. And so when you look at love and you look at worship being love expressed, 
We have been created in such a way that we are driven to want to express that love back to God. But here's the great thing about God. God never forces us to love him. He gives us the choice. And we're created with this drive to want to express that love. And ultimately, it's a desire, a drive to express it back to the one who created us, our Heavenly Father. But God doesn't force that. And so as a result of that, we have to have an outlet to express our love. There's, we have to worship. It's part of who we are. And we can express that love back to our Heavenly Father or we can express it to other things or other people, but we will express it. We will worship. It's just part of the way we were created. Now, the Apostle Paul, he's talking about in the book of Romans in the New Testament, he's talking about how God has always made himself known for eternity past that men Humanity has always had the opportunity to know God. He's made himself uh, known in that way and to love God and to receive love from God. He's always been there and always so that men, men and women, we're, we're without excuse. We don't have an opportunity to say, well, I never had a chance to know God. or I never had a chance to, to give or receive love from God. So he's talking about this in Romans chapter 1. I want you to see what he says. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 21, he says this. Yes, they knew God, but they would not worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. It says that there's something about humanity that, that instead of worshiping God, the creator of all things, we will substitute that and worship things created by our hands. Instead of worshiping the creator, we worship created things. And that's been a part of human life from the beginning. And I'd say it's probably part of human life today. He goes on in verse 25, he says this. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. That there's this tendency, we've got to worship. We've got to express that love somehow. And there's this tendency instead of expressing it back to God, our heavenly father, the creator of all things. There's a tendency that we will express our love toward the things that we create, the things that God allows into our life, bring, that God gives into our life. But the good thing about God is that he gives us that choice. And the truth is about worship that it's not just a church thing. It's not just a religious thing. It's not just a Christian thing. It's a human thing. And we will all worship and we are all great, phenomenal worshipers it really comes down to who or what that we worship now for those of us who are Christ followers as you read the scripture and understand that our goal really should be as Christ followers to live our lives in such a way that our love for Christ becomes apparent in all that we do all that we say and how we live our lives that, that the way we live our lives, 
that our love for Christ should resonate throughout our lives. So this idea of worship resonating, that love that we show, that we express, that love for Christ should just resonate all throughout our life. That it's not confined to any specific thing or place or, 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 or anything like that or time. It's everything we do. It's everything that we say. That should be our goal as a Christ follower. That that love, that worship should just permeate and just resonate throughout our entire life. And when you think about love expressed, when you think about worship being love expressed, I think there's two implications that go with that. The first implication is this, that worship is not confined to a place. Worship is not confined to a place. More times than not, when you, know, when you talk about worship, most people will say, it's at that place, it's at the church, it's at you know, 802 Brook Street, it's at a theater on Grand Parkway, it's, it's at a place. We go there to worship, but the truth is, worship is not confined to a place if it's truly about expressing our love and all that we say and all that we do and how we live our lives. Now, Jesus one day on one occasion was in a conversation with a lady. She was a Samaritan lady. And Samaria was north of Jerusalem. And there was a controversy that was going on, an ongoing controversy between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people. And the Samaritan people were considered to be half-breeds. They were part Jewish. And then they intermarried with all the different nations that were surrounding them, that invaded them. And so they weren't purely Jewish in their race and their heritage. And so there was always this controversy, this argument back and forth between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people. And one day, Jesus was in a conversation with this lady who was a Samaritan lady. And it was a spiritual conversation, one that he began pressing in a little bit on her and beginning asking a few questions about her life. And she did what we do a lot of times when those things begin to happen, she diverts. <laughs> it's like pressing in a little bit on a spiritual condition. Hey, you think about this over here, you know, squirrel. And so we don't want to talk about it. And so we began trying to, you know, detour. And that's what she does. And she brings up this controversy that had gone on for some time between the Jewish and the Samaritan people. And here's where we find it. We find the Gospel of John chapter 4. And, and starting in verse 19, and she said, Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet, because he'd been telling her, he'd been pressing in on her life and been telling her some things that were true about her. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? Now that was the debate, it had gone back and forth. Jews were claiming it's down here in Jerusalem. They were claiming up here at Mount Gerizim. That was a, a, a controversy, sure, but She's asking it now because she doesn't want to go any further in her own personal life. And so she throws that out there. Well, Jesus, you know, he obliges her. He answers the question. Here's what he says. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must, must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus says, listen, true worshipers of God, they're not hung up on whether it's in Jerusalem or whether it's on Mount Gerizim. In fact, there's coming a time, and what, what He references, the, 
It's indeed, it's here now. He's talking about because of him and what he will provide and his sacrifice that will be made. That worship will then not be limited to some place. It's not going to be limited. According to what Jesus is saying, he's like, God is more concerned with the person, not the place. God is more interested in the certain type of worshiper, not the certain location of your worship. It's more about who than where. And so often we get that mixed up. You ask the average Christian, you know, about worship. And they're going to say, well, you know, what happens out there, you know, outside these walls, that's kind of the real world. That's real life stuff. That's real decisions, real problems, real work issues, real family issues. But here we come to a place like this so we can block all those things out and we can really worship. We can focus on God and worship. And Jesus would say, reality is, I'm more interested in what you do out there than I am what you do in here. Because if what you do out there doesn't match what you do in here, then what good is it? You want to confine worship to a place on a couple of hours on a given day. And I'm more interested in what you do in all the hours of the rest of the days of the week. That, 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 that your worship, your expression of love cannot be just limited to this period of time here. But it needs to be shown in such a way that people outside, it's apparent to people outside of this place. that Man, I love God in such a way that my words reflect it, my actions reflect it, my lifestyle reflects it. And Jesus would say, that's a true worshiper. Someone that understands not confined to a place at a specific time during the week. I, this may be a surprise to you. It may come as a shock. Maybe news to you. But did you know that Jesus Christ did not die in a church? He didn't. In fact, he didn't die in the temple. In fact, he, he died outside the city walls of Jerusalem on a major highway. Now, isn't it amazing? The most significant occurrence in Christian history didn't take place in a church or a synagogue. It took place out in the public view, in the public arena. You know what that tells me? It tells me that if we're going to live lives that matter, it's going to be the lives that we live out there much more so than the lives we live in here. That if we can find our worship to a bubble that we experience on a given day at a given time, then we're not going to really make much of an impact in our world. And the, and, the, and the love that we express, if we limit it to this place and this time, it's not going to make a difference to us or the people that we come in contact with. See, true worshipers express their love for God Everything they say, everything they do, the way they live their life, both in this place and outside of these walls. It's not confined to a place. The second implication is this, that, that worship is not confined to a practice. To a practice. And this is where so many Christ followers get hung up. 
So many Christ followers begin to sit back and go, well, you know, it's this particular kind of thing or it's this particular posture or it's this particular kind of song or whatever and, and, and this is worship, but that's not really worship and we want to argue over all those kinds of things. And Jesus is saying, listen, <laughs> it's not confined to a practice. It's everything you do and everything you say, how you live your life. And so if you want to try to strain at a gnat and say it's this kind of song and it's not this or it's not that, it's like, no, 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 you're missing the whole point. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he writes about it in, in Romans chapter 12. And here's what he says is, is truly worship. He's 12, uh, Romans 12 verse 1, he says, So I beg you, brothers and sisters, because of the great mercy God has shown us, offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him, an offering that is only for God and pleasing to him. This is truly the way to worship him. He said, you want to worship Christ? Then lay down your life. Offer your life as a sacrifice. In other words, God, it's more about you than it is about me. Not just what I do on Sunday, but what I do every day of the week. It's so much about me denying myself so I can make much of who you are. He said, that's truly worshiping him. When your lifestyle outside of these walls and your practice of words and, and the way you live your life outside of these walls match the way you live your life inside of these walls. It's everything we do. It's the expression of our love for him. He said that's truly worship. The uh, David in the book of Psalm, uh, in the Old Testament, he says it this way. In Psalm chapter 19, verse 14, he said, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He's like, I don't, I don't want it just to be words. I want to make sure that the words of my mouth match what my heart is feeling. And not only do the words of my mouth match what my heart is feeling, but my life matches all of those things. And so David is basically saying, if you got any of those that are you know, taken out of the equation, then you really don't have worship. Because if your words don't match your heart and your words and your heart don't match your lifestyle, then none of it really matters. It's not really worship. He said, I want it all to match. I want it all to express my love back to him. The Apostle Paul, again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, he says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. <laughs> in Corinthian, the Corinthian church, they were arguing over, can you eat this? Can you drink this? Can you do this? He's like, listen, whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, do it all for the glory of God. Let that be the standard that you live by, that I want anything that I'm involved in to make much of who God is. And not so much of who I am. That's really worshiping. So when you think about your life, when you think about the various facets of your life, not just what you bring in here on Sunday, but outside of these walls, how do you incorporate worship? How do you incorpor incorporate worship into your workplace? <laughs> now I say that, you're, you know, like, so like, do I go and just stand up in the middle of the office and say, you know, he called my name and I ran out of that grave. People be running out of the office, right? I mean, you're like, I can't do that. Especially if, you, if I sing like you. Um, so, so, 
No, that's not what that's about. How can you incorporate worship into your workplace? By the way you live in your workplace. By the way you work in your workplace. Are you trustworthy? Are you compassionate? Are you consistent? Are you honest? Are you truthful? How do you live? Do you work in such a way that says, I'm working for someone bigger than this job? I'm doing more than just logging my time. I'm doing more than just drawing a paycheck. I'm working as if I'm working for someone else, not just the company. That's what Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. He said, put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you're doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. Do you work in your workplace for an audience of one that you just work for God to be pleased with your work regardless of what other people think of it? See, those are ways to bring worship into your workplace that your words and your your heart and your actions, they all match. And they all point to the fact that you're expressing your love to your Heavenly Father. How do you bring worship into your relationships? It's not just about praying and singing together. How do you bring worship into your marriage? See, guys, the Scripture says that we are to love our wives like Christ loved the church. Sacrificially. And the more we work on that, the more we're living a lifestyle that points toward worship. The more we sacrificially love our wives, the more we're expressing how much we love Jesus. It's just the way that works. Paul also said, wives, respect your husbands. Didn't say wives, love your husbands. See, you, you, ladies, you're good at loving. He gave you another challenge. Respect. Well, when he becomes respectful, respectable, I'll respect him. No, 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 no. Wasn't a conditional clause. Just said respect. How do you bring worship into your marriage? Ladies, you respect your husband. See, these are things that it magnifies. I'm worshiping someone else. I'm living a life that shows that my love ultimately is for someone greater than even the person I'm in this relationship with. How do you bring worship into your dating relationships? How do you make it to where it's obvious that my love for Christ supersedes what's happening in my dating relationship? How do you treat your date in a way that shows that you have a love relationship with Jesus Christ? How do you bring worship into your finances? Well, I sing every time I get paid. <laughs> how do you bring worship in? How do you apply a mindset that says, God, I want to be more about building your kingdom than I am about building my own. I want to put you and your kingdom ahead of me and my kingdom. And one of the ways I can do that is financially. How do you bring worship? Express your love through your finances. What about your thoughts? What about your attitudes? 
How do you bring worship into your attitude? An attitude that is humble, that puts others ahead of yourself. Thoughts that when things don't go the way that you hoped they would. When God's not answering the prayers the way you want him to answer. Can I tell you something? Now, if you're new to the bridge, you might think this is kind of weird, but just hang with me, okay? See, we believe that the scripture talks about an enemy that we have. And that enemy is Satan or the devil. And he employs all kinds of tactics, both against people who are not believers in Christ and those who are. And specifically those who are believers in Christ, he is consistently trying to tear down our love and that love relationship that we have with Christ. He can't take it away. He can't remove it. He can't remove you from that relationship. But you know what? He can shoot holes through your heart. And when you're praying about things and God's not answering the way that you feel like you want him to answer, or when God seems silent at times and you're wondering, where are you? And Satan is just sitting there on your shoulder saying, he doesn't care. You're not important. All he's doing is shooting daggers through your heart and it's blowing holes in your heart and your love begins to leak. See, that's a tactic. So how do you, in your thoughts and in your attitudes, continue to worship? Continue to say, God, I trust you. Even when I can't see exactly what you're up to, I trust the God that I know you to be. I trust that you are a good, good father. And I trust that you have made promises in your word. That even in the worst of situations, you will bring good out of those things if I trust you and love you. And I'm going to continue to worship. I'm going to continue to express love to you in my words, in my actions, in my lifestyle, even when I don't know what you're up to. See, it's when we begin to live that way we kind of sew up some of those holes and we deflect some of those arrows that are shot at our heart. See, that's bringing worship into our thoughts, into our attitudes. Worship is so much more than a place, than a practice. Worship truly is love being expressed through everything that we do, and everything that we say. And I'm convinced that if we could ever grab a hold of that view of worship, and if we could ever apply to our lives that view of worship, that my love being expressed in everything I do and everything I say, those things are ultimately the most important. If we could ever wrap our heads and our hearts around that kind of worship, I think it would, it would truly change our lives personally. And it would have the ability and the potential to change our world around us unlike anything else.
It really is our love expressed back to our Heavenly Father and all that we do and all that we say. Let me pray for us, okay?